So today being Rejoice Sunday, of course, the uh, church lightens up the color of vesture and from that darkness of purple to something a little more uh, towards what I would call rose, but I don't want any jokes about him looking pretty in pink up here, so it is uh, halfway through this season of Lent, of course, as I mentioned, and uh, time for us to perhaps... Uh, you know, take some perspective in our own personal lives. How have we lived this season thus far, and what might we need to do to, uh, to get into it a little more deeply? Um, a good time to, to check in on that as we approach the Easter sacraments here in just a few weeks. Let's think about something here. And if God were the owner of a sports team, you know, it, it might seem to us as if God had a way of picking, well, mostly second and third-rate players. You know, God seems to go for the, the tried and the true. The, I should say never seems to go for the tried and the true, never seems to go for the, you know, the, 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 the one who's at the top of the heap, you know, the best of the bunch. Think about our first reading this morning. And it seems that whenever God calls forth believers and followers, God, what's he do? He, he picks the youngest, the forgotten, the overlooked, the sinner, the enemy, the blind, the, the list of who God trusts and has confidence in doesn't always include the credentialed and uh, those who've been promised the first place in the world, uh, those who are on the list of who's who. In today's first reading, we hear you know, God names David, the overlooked the insignificant son of Jesse. He names him and anoints him as the king. I would imagine that if people had bet on all of the sons of Jesse, David would have been at the end of the uh, short list. He would have been the long shot for certain. But God seems to have a way for seeing the potential in in the ones who, uh, you know, someone else might not otherwise select for the team. You know, like the last kid chosen in a pickup game of baseball. And, you know, these are no small choices at all. God bets the bank on David and on other individuals in our scriptures. You know, he, he, today he entrusts the whole future of the divine plan into David's hands. From this little shepherd boy, a royal line will be raised up out of which the Messiah comes. You know, from insignificance comes greatness. 
And in our gospel today, we hear about the healing of a man born blind. And in that cultural world of some 2,000 years ago, blindness was regarded as a sign of sin. And, and most other you know, congenital illnesses and deformities were you know, because the parents had sinned. Or perhaps early on in a child's life, he had done something so significantly evil that he's, he or she are struck down by blindness or leprosy or any number of other maladies. And the disciples asked Jesus, whose sin caused this man's blindness? And Jesus responds by choosing to make the blind man a sign of God's power. And so he cures him of this blindness. And when the man returns from washing, able to see, what ensues is one of the liveliest exchanges in our Gospels. It's full of complicated characters and very intriguing debate. And the blind man becomes the source for theological argument, not only about who he is, but about who this Jesus is who healed him. Jesus chooses a seemingly inconsequential character to reveal his own messianic role as the light of the world. And by the end of this story, the blind man makes a profession of faith and he gives praise and honor to God in the face of, of outright contempt that is shown to him. We are among the, these characters on whom God bets the future. You know, at times, our disbelief clouds our faith. We are very much afraid of being ostracized, and uh, as a result of that, we keep our faith inside, hidden. And that's not good for us individually or for this world that we live in. And we pass this halfway mark of Lent. We're moving towards Jerusalem, and it's time for us to ponder these stories and these thoughts. And it's time for us to submit our very own lives, our blindness to Jesus. We have heard over these last two years with uh, the reign of Pope Francis I about now, we as a church need to stop sitting around on our butts, pardon my language, but maybe that'll wake a few people up, but we need to stop sitting around and expecting that, you know, people are listening, that people are paying attention. And we need to realize that it's not just as... I know Father James has shared with you, and I have as well on a few occasions, it's not just our job to bring others to Jesus Christ. You know, I don't live out in your neighborhoods. Our rectory's over here on the street right next to the school. I get out to parties and dinner at people's homes, and I get the opportunity to talk from time to time to people who are not of our faith. But you get that opportunity often person next door, the, the person you work with. And it, it's time for all of us 
to wake up the world. It's time for all of us to help the world to gain sight and to see the light. The world is in very difficult straits at the moment because people of faith have just quieted down and become afraid, fearful of what may happen if they speak out or if they try to introduce somebody to Jesus. You know, you'll be ostracized. You'll be made fun of. It's time to get over it, folks. It's time to invite. It's time to help others to know this Jesus. And we, we have our Easter sacraments and uh, the celebration of the Paschal Mystery and Holy Thursday and Good Friday, the vigil, Easter Sunday. It's a perfect time to help people to see the beauty of our faith and the truth of our faith and, and where our faith is focused in the Paschal mystery, the suffering and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and how we're called to live out our lives in that manner, to move through the suffering, to come to the various deaths that happen in our lives and to accept them and to rise again, to help others see that through suffering and death that happens to us in the moments of life that that there can also be joy and to invite them into that. You know, there are, again, so many who have walked away from this church of ours, and it's true. Help them to come home. You know, you and we as a parish over these last couple of years and with Tom Ray's ordination last week, we've seen the, the greatness of God's love moving through his life you know, bringing him from what he came to realize was not the fullness of truth and home to a church where that resides. I can share with you that there are two ministers of local churches here close by who are coming to Mass here on Sunday, uh, who are meeting with Father James or me or Tom, who in their study of Scripture and their you know, wanting to deepen their own faith and looking at the fathers of the church have realized that, oh my gosh, the early church is the Catholic church. And they're seeking to come home. So help people to do that. Do not be afraid. Cardinal Rodriguez was here on Monday and spoke with a, a, you know, our leadership here in the parish. And, you know, he talks about how we have, and he, he said the same things on Wednesday when he spoke with a greater crowd at the Athenaeum. He talks about how we, we as Christians have a heart failure of sorts. You know, we, our, our hearts have slowed down and we're not so excited about our faith. And he's saying that something needs to happen there that, that does get us excited, not only excited about it for ourselves personally, but how do we share that? How do we show that to others? You know, how do we come out of our blindness and see the light? And how do we help others to do that as well? It's Lent. We've got a few weeks left of it. Let's journey through it in prayer, thinking about how we can bring that light of Jesus Christ into the lives of other people. And the Archbishop looks at this parish because something very, very special is happening here. This place is a lot more alive than a lot of other of our Catholic parishes, which is very fortunate for us, unfortunate for others. And the Archbishop really has been looking, and that's why he left Father James here. 
so this work can continue. It's a new model, perhaps, that we're uh, making happen here. But it is about finding joy in this faith of ours and inviting others into it. And people have been, as I said, not only two ministers, but many others are sitting here with us, and after doing that for a couple of weeks, come and see Father James or myself. They want to become Catholic. This morning we celebrate our second scrutiny. Ted, who's sitting right there, will uh, you know, scrutinize himself this morning, but help us to, to do the same. How are we living this life? How are we sharing this life with others?